Good morning, everyone. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles 26. If you have your harmony, you can turn there uh, to the section on King Uzziah, which is section 55 on page 34. We're going to spend the majority of our time today in 2 Chronicles. And the reason is, is because... First or Second Kings gives us very, very, very little information about the king we're going to learn about today. You know, we were, learned just a few moments ago about the importance of needing to pray, didn't we? We learned about the importance of trusting God, coming to Him with our problems. Did you know that if we looked at the big picture and all the little pictures of life, we're actually a very weak people. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about how the littlest of things can cause us a lot of trouble? You know, when you touch a bee and it stings you, it causes trouble. The littlest of things cause all kinds of trouble in our lives. And we're really very weak people. Now, we think of ourselves as pretty great because we compare ourselves to the grasshoppers and everything else, and, you know, we're pretty big and great and smart. You know, we can outsmart the greatest of them, all the dinosaurs and the lions. You know, we're smarter than all them, right? <laughs> I heard a yes and a right and a no. Well, we oftentimes think of ourselves as smart. We oftentimes think of ourselves as great, but in so many ways we are very, very small and very, very weak, and we need our God. You know what we need to use a Hebrew phrase? We need Uzziah. Now, you're all looking at me like, really? I've heard that name, but um, what do you mean we need him? Well, we don't need the man Uzziah. We need what his name means. I'm not going to tell you yet. Let's pray as we begin this morning. Our great and good God, as we open your word this morning and look back into history, to the time of Uzziah, Lord, I pray that as we consider his life and how he lived and how he walked before you, that we would learn, that we would learn much from him, and most of all, that we would learn more of you, and that it would encourage us and challenge us to trust in you and to seek you in all things. And so, Lord, we pray that you will bless this time together. In your name we pray, amen. Well, in 2 Kings chapter 15, it tells us that in the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, began Azariah, son of Amaziah, king of Judah, to reign. We've got a new king. We have a new king named Uzziah. And what was his father's name? Amaziah. Let's look at our timeline here. Here we have the divided kingdom, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, but we're, not, we're already past this whole timeline. So we have to go on further to the next section of this timeline. And do you see there where the yellow bar is? Right there between Amaziah and Uzziah. Do you see it? That's where we're at right now. 
a transition of the kingdom of Judah from Amaziah to Uzziah. Now, let's just set the framework for this king. His grandfather was the boy king. Remember the boy king? King Joash. And you remember he served the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest, and then he turned from the Lord. And then we had Amaziah, and Amaziah was also a king who was said to have walked in the ways of the Lord, but not as his father David had walked. Amaziah, you remember, was that king who had hired Israel to join with his army to go fight against the Edomites. And you remember the prophet of God came to him and said, oh, you do not go with these people who do not serve me. You do not go with the army of Israel. You trust me. And so your father went and fought against the Edomites, sending Israel's army back home, and went by himself. But it wasn't by himself, was it? He had the Lord with him. And the Lord gave him the victory, so much so that one of the cities that he conquered, he actually said that the Lord has subdued it. Well, this same Amaziah, you remember, then challenged the king of Israel to see him face to face. And um, you remember that King Joash, up in the northern kingdom, replied to him and said, would the thistle marry a cedar? That's crazy. He referred to your dad as a thistle. Well, um, Amaziah didn't pay any attention to the actual wise consul of Jehoash of Israel. And instead, he went up and he fought against him. And you remember Jehoash beat him, beat your dad bad, and came down and not only beat him on the battlefield, but came all the way to Jerusalem and knocked down 600 feet of a wall in the Jerusalem city. So from the one main gate all the way to the corner, he just knocked it all down. Not only that, but he took princes, men of royalty, princes, men of renown, and he took them as hostages back up north, leaving your dad, and perhaps even his dad may have even served and been as a prisoner for a period of time, and perhaps even maybe you. Maybe you were among those princes who were held as hostages just to make sure that Amaziah would behave himself. Well, you remember as time went by, Amaziah had a great conspiracy against him where people were going to try to assassinate him. And so he fled. He fled to a city further away from the capital city. He went into hiding. Your dad did. But you know what? These conspirators tracked him down, found him where he was hiding in Lachish, and killed him. Assassinated your dad. Now, we read these passages here, and we, we read about this 16-year-old prince, Uzziah. And we read about him becoming king. But I'm curious. Here, there's been trouble with Joash. There was trouble with Jeroboam II. There was a conspiracy against his father, so much so that his father was assassinated. What's going to happen to this 16-year-old Uzziah? What's going to happen to him? Well, it's surprising here, for if you look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and verse 1, it says that then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, 
who was 16 years old and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. Now, I think that's fascinating because your dad just now got assassinated. And it seems that it wasn't just a really small group of people in this conspiracy because he couldn't escape it. And now, when the king is dead, what do they do but then take his 16-year-old son and set him up as king? I wonder how many days passed in that whole hostage situation, in the whole fleeing and hiding situation, and I wonder how Uzziah must have felt through all of that. After they kill dad, after they find dad, what are they going to do with me? Did you maybe flee with your dad? Did you hide with your dad? Or did you hide someplace else? You know how when there's a threat, the president doesn't stay at the same place as the vice president? Well, that's kind of what's going on here, but in a different way. What's, what, what, what's, what's going to happen with Uzziah? Now, we look at our timeline and we know Uzziah survived. In fact, look at that rain. Wow! He rained a long time. But could you imagine with me going back to that day when the news comes to Uzziah? The 16-year-old boy man? I mean, he, he's right there at the, from boyhood to manhood. And the news has come that his father is dead. Imagine the fears. Imagine the concerns. Perhaps the dread. Well, he survived, for he became the king. King Uzziah. You notice here on the screen, he's also called Azariah. He had two names. And it's intriguing to me that your dad gave you this name. What do you think these names mean? Remember a few moments ago, I said that when we're in trouble, when we have problems, we need Uzziah. See, I'm using a Hebrew phrase that was squished together and made into a name. For if you were all sitting back in the days of Uzziah and he was king and you would hear his name, you wouldn't hear this strange name of some ancient king. This would be your language, and you would hear two words from your language. You know what they would be? Well, the first, and you can tell this by the last two letters on that letter. I wonder if anyone can, can get the hint of it. What, what, what one word is in here that we hear so often? Brother Barrows? Yah, Yahweh, exactly right. So we have Elijah, Uzziah, Amaziah, Hezekiah. They all have the name of God in their name. Jehovah, Yahweh. So when you hear the name Uzziah or Azariah, you're going to hear two words. One is Yahweh, the name of God, a special name of God. And in Uzziah, you're going to hear the word strength. And in Azariah, you're going to hear the word help. So when I say Uzziah, if you were a Hebrew, you would immediately think Jehovah's strength. When you would hear Amaziah, you would hear Help Jehovah. That's what 
his name means. Uzziah, my strength is Jehovah. Amaziah, Jehovah has helped. Now do you see why I say when we're in trouble, we need Uzziah? We need the strength of Jehovah. I find it absolutely incredible that your dad chose to give you these two names. You know why? Because these two names are the theme of his life, both positively and negatively. Positively in the fact that he experienced the strength of Jehovah. He experienced the help of Jehovah. For indeed, you see the verse there, 2 Chronicles 26b, that as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. But as negatively, you can kind of see hinted in that verse there, as long. Because if you know ahead of the story, you know that Uzziah didn't always trust and follow God. There were times in which, and one major that we're going to learn about today, in which he blatantly and with a high hand dishonored and disobeyed God. He used the strength that God had given him. He used the help and the prosperity that God had given him to lift himself up in pride over all that God had already declared and said in his word. He had the Holy Scriptures at that time, and he knew clearly what they said. And as we end today, we're going to find out that Uzziah, the man who was helped of God, the man who was strengthened by God, chose to use his strength and prosperity to blatantly disobey what God had clearly revealed. So I wonder, for all of us today, do we trust God and rely upon Him for strength? Do we enter every day with Uzziah as our motto? You really could. You could take this name, Uzziah, or, or Azariah, and you could print it in big letters, and you could put it on your mirror in the morning as you're brushing your teeth, and it could be your motto. Today is going to be a Uzziah day. My strength is Jehovah. In fact, every day ought to be that way. Every day ought to be a Uzziah day, recognizing that he is our strength. Well, we see this illustrated now in his life as we continue on in this narrative. For here, we've just gotten through verse 1. It tells us in verse 2 that Uzziah, he built Eloth and restored it to Judah. And we find a series of things that Uzziah did, of different regions of things that he conquered. Now, keep in mind how he inherited the kingdom. He inherited the kingdom really under the thumb, under the oppression of the northern kingdom of Israel. 
with 600 feet of the wall of Jerusalem knocked down. Well, he goes forth and he builds a fortified city. He restores the region to Judah. And it tells us that 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah. Now, this is fascinating. Here he is, one who seeks the Lord. Now, you might say, wait a minute. Didn't you just now tell me a moment ago that this man, King Uzziah, was one who, well, disobeyed the Lord? Well, yes, he was. But this statement here, I take to say that he, though he was a failure in many regards like us, and as recorded here later in a major prominent way, that in his heart, in the light of eternity, he was right with God. I believe he was regenerated. He was saved, we might say. He was a believer, although he failed miserably. This was the way that it was used so often. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. It tells us that he sought God in the days of Zechariah. Now, when you hear the name Zechariah, do you think of anything? William, can you think of anything that's connected to the name Zechariah? A priest. You're right, there is a priest who's named Zechariah. But he didn't live at this time. He lived earlier. Anybody else or anything else that you can think of when you hear Zechariah? Actually, there were two Zechariahs, you're naming them. One that was in the future and one that was in the past history. But there's a third one. Anybody have any ideas of who that third one is? Hmm? He was a prophet. Do you all know your books of the Old Testament? Have you ever heard of a book in the Old Testament called Zechariah? Malachi? The second to the last book of the Old Testament? Zechariah? I bet you didn't know that was a person, did you? Yes, that book's named after a person named Zechariah. And he lived during your time, during his reign. He was a contemporary with Amos, Jonah, and Isaiah. These were prophets who were together and living at the same time. In fact, Zechariah in his prophecy referred to a major event in your life. Just like, by the way, Amos did. There's a major event. Remember how Amos started off his prophecy we looked at last week? It was two years before what? Does anybody remember? Two years before an earthquake. You're right. Well, Zechariah, notice here it describes him, who had understanding in the visions of God. Zechariah was a prophet who actually recorded some pretty magnificent visions of prophecy. And in his prophecy, he too referred to this earthquake in the days of Uzziah. 
We're going to talk some more about the earthquake later. But here we have Zechariah. This is the man who wrote the book, Zechariah, with those visions and prophecies. And here it tells us that as long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. He was one who prospered. And here we can see a summary of some of the different places that he went forth and was able to regain. Notice he had this conquest with the Philistines. It tells us in verse 6, he went forth and he warred against the Philistines. And he broke down the wall of Gath. Remember that city? That's where Goliath was from. And, and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities about Ashdod. Not only did he destroy the city or conquer the city, he then built cities around it and among the Philistines. Uzziah grew in power and strength and gained victory over the Philistines. And they have been around for a long time. Remember, they were the real thorn in the flesh back in the days of, of David and Saul. They've been in trouble all this time. Uzziah here now gains a victory over them. And look what it says in verse 7. And Azariah hemmed against the Philistines. Is that what it says in your Bible? And Azariah him against the Philistines. That doesn't mean anything to you because you guys don't know Hebrew. But I did tell you what that word means. What's it mean? The Lord is help. Well, looky here in English, it's translated. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Jeroboam and the Mehenians and the Amorites gave gifts to Uzziah. Here he has victory over these different nations and kingdoms. Because why? Azariah. The Lord helped him. And his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened exceedingly. And did you notice a word there I skipped? I skipped an italics word. Now, so often in English, when we italics words, that means we're supposed to emphasize them. But not in your King James Bible. In fact, you're actually to de-emphasize them because what it means is, is that the translators provided that word, even though it's not in the Hebrew or Greek, to help you understand. And the King James translators here are saying that um, he strengthened himself exceedingly. Well... I think that I'm glad they, I'm, I shouldn't say I think, I'm glad they put it in italics. Because as I read throughout all of this, looking at back in earlier verses and looking at verse 7, this strengthening is the Lord strengthening him. But you know, there's a little bit of an element of him strengthening himself. There's a little hint of it. So I see why they put it there. Here he has this victory. I mean, look at all that he has accomplished. If we were to look then at the map here that's on that, that you see there on the side, all this region, all of these different areas, he went in and he conquered them. We see the Philistines here, these Philistine cities. These are major Philistine cities that he has conquered. So now, you remember Philistia. Philistia was this region of land that went on used to come way up further. See the little green there, Philistia? They used to come way on up further, but not anymore. 
He's regained that land. He's taken it. He's conquered that land. And he has developed it on over to that region. He has strengthened himself greatly. And it tells us that he built towers. Now here do you see on this map here those little black towers on the bottom side here? These are towers that archaeologists have found and believe we are responsible or from the days of Uzziah. Here you can't see them quite so well, but you can see they're scattered throughout the land. For that's what it tells us in verse 9. It says, For moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate. At the corner gate. Remember, this is the Jerusalem that had 600 feet of its wall knocked down from one gate to the corner. Well, you know what you're doing? You're rebuilding it. He's rebuilding Jerusalem, but not only is he just rebuilding it, he is fortifying it with towers. He built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. He is taking what he had inherited as a knocked-down city and he is rebuilding it, but not just rebuilding it. He is fortifying it, including great towers. But he didn't only build towers in Jerusalem, for it tells us that he built towers in the desert. Now, why would you build towers in the desert? Well, let's keep reading. And he digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. Well, the reason why you build towers is so you can get up high. Now, why would you want to get up high? You want to get up high so you can see what's going on. See, you build the towers in Jerusalem so you can get up high to be able to see if any enemy is coming towards your city. You build towers out in the desert so that you know the enemy is coming even before they get to your fertile land. You see, Uzziah, oh, he loved husbandry. He had all kinds of flocks and herds and all kinds of vineyards and produce from those vineyards. And you know what? From that time, enemy tribes, enemy nations would come in and they'd ransack and they'd steal all of the food and they'd run away with it. Well, what would happen here with these towers is not only would they be places where they could rush the food into, into safe storage, but they could also see when the enemy was coming. Imagine that you lived out in the country, and um, all of a sudden you hear the warning trumpet sounding from the tower. You'd be really glad to hear that. Because as soon as you would hear that, you would run towards the tower and you and your family and you'd gather up your wife and your kids and you'd run and you'd run and you'd run into that tower and you'd close the door and you'd bolt it. And the fighting men would go up on top and prepare to hurl down and, and attacking those who were coming to attack them. You could prepare for defense. Or you could come in and you could have a consultation with the others in the neighborhood and you could have an offense. That means go out and attack from a safe place, but your family would be in a safe place. You can make a plan. You could have a safety in this tower so that when the enemy would come, instead of you working in the field and all of a sudden a guy shows up and he puts a sword right at your neck, you would hear that trumpet warning that there was an enemy coming and you would be able to gather your family and flee into this tower and find refuge, find safety 
in this tower. And so Uzziah knew this. And so throughout this region, he would build these towers, not only as military fortresses, but also as places of refuge where people could go to be safe. They would find different ways also of communicating between the towers. We don't know all of the towers, all of the fortresses that he built within, but we do know that this time of history and since then, there have been systems of communication where they would use either smoke or fire signals to be able to communicate all the way back through. So within just a matter of a very short time, if somebody were to be invading down on the south side of the, of the Salt Sea, News could reach Jerusalem that there was trouble in the south. They may not know exactly what it was, but relatively quickly they could find it out because of these towers. They were a strategic military plan that King Uzziah had set up. It says that he had set them up in Jerusalem at the corner gate, in the valley, in the turning of the wall, and in the desert. Towers. Did you know that all of us today still need towers? Now, we don't need towers the same way that, that Uzziah was using towers. We need towers as a place of refuge. Did you know that as we live life, there are things that bombard us? We are attacked day by day by temptations. Have you ever been attacked by temptation? What did you do? Did you run to the nearest tower? And you might be thinking, how would I do that? How would I run to a tower when I'm tempted to be unkind, to say something mean? What good would it do? I don't even know where a tower is. Oh, we have a tower here, don't we? But um, I'm not talking about that kind of tower. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a much greater tower. It's recorded for us in Psalms. 18. David recognized the Lord as his tower. Remember the name Uzziah means the Lord has strengthened. Azariah means the Lord has helped. How significant is it this guy is a tower builder? I wonder if he remembered these words of his great, 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 I don't know how many greats, grandfather, David. For what did he say? I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Every temptation that you face, every fiery dart that the devil or his demons throw at you, of lies or deception, you can run to the high tower. Who is the high tower? It's not a building. It's not a tower built with stones. But just as people would have an enemy coming to them and they could run to the tower and be safe from the enemy, so too can each one of us, and even so could Uzziah, run to the Lord who is a high tower and be safe. Find salvation. Notice the references of strength and help, the fortress of God. God is like a fortress. In fact, if we turn over to Proverbs 18, it says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
the righteous runneth into it and is safe. The name of the Lord. That's who he is. While we've sometimes looked at some of the names of the Lord in the past, haven't we? All of the names of the Lord that describe who he is and how amazing it is. But you know what? You might be facing a temptation. And that temptation might be in your bedroom. Or that temptation might be in your backyard. Or that temptation might be at work. Where's the closest tower? You know one of the attributes of God is that he's omnipresent. You know what that means? He's everywhere. So it doesn't matter where you are when you are attacked. You can run to the tower. And you don't have to run very far. Really all it is is turning to God in faith. Trusting him. Believing and choosing to believe what he has said and who he is and acknowledging that he is your strength. He will give you the strength you need. He will be Uzziah to you. He will be Azariah to you. He is a tower. Will you run to him and be safe? Oh, Uzziah, he built the towers, but he also digged many wells, and he had much cattle in the low country and in the plains, and he had husbandmen and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, everywhere. This place, Carmel, here is likely not referring to Mount Carmel, which is actually quite far north up in another kingdom, really, at this time. But the word Carmel actually means a prosperous place, a place where abundance of fruits could grow. And so, Uzziah is just growing in prosperity. But as it continues on in verse 11, moreover, Uzziah had an host of fighting men that went out to war by bands according to the number of their account by the hand of Jaziel the scribe. Here he has a scribe who keeps track of his military army and he's got a ruler over his army and he's got captains over his army and the details are listed here. And it tells us here in verse 12 that the whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. That's kind of interesting. That doesn't mean that's how big his army was. That's how many generals he had. That means he had a big army. He had a big army to be able to have 2,600 generals. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500, 307,500, that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Here he's prosperous in rebuilding cities, in building cities, in fortifying cities, in building towers, and now he has assembled and created a massive army with structured tiers of commanding officers. And now we're going to find out that Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host. I mean, look at this. Shields and spears and helmets, and haberdons, and bows, and slings to cast stones. I mean, he built up and amassed an armory. Now, this is significant, because so often throughout the history, up to your time, when an army assembled, they, they, they just took what they had. 
It was like militias. They, they took their swords from their, from, from their houses. They took what they had, and they went forth and fought. Uzziah has such a great prosperity, and he's structured a military where it's not just bring your sword to the battle. It's come, and we're going to fully outfit you. Each soldier is going to be outfitted with shields and swords and spears and, and slings to throw stones with. These, he, he created a military fortress. In fact, there's one little word here that's kind of interesting here where it speaks of the Habergeons. That's speaking of a chain mail. Now, we see chain mail in history, and we, we, we just accept it as, as a commonplace in history. But at this time in history, and even before this time, for someone to have chain mail, uh, that was like the commanding officer's general. It was extremely rare, if at all. I mean, when we dress up and try to say he was a soldier, we put chain mail on him around here right? Well, it wasn't always like that. Most of the time, they didn't have armor like that. They didn't have chain mail. But his prosperity is so great. God has helped him so much that he creates this armory, this vast armory of weapons. And you see here, it's prepared for them. That's the 300,000, 500, 307,500. It's for, for all the host. All the host. All the host had these shields and spears and helmets and habergeons and bows and slings to cast stones. He's outfitted his army with this armory. So again, all those towers he's built everywhere, they're equipped with weapons to defend the nation. Great armory. But that's not all. For it tells us in verse 15 that he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal. <laughs> we think of the catapult as a pretty special instrument, right, in history. You know who invented them? This guy's cunning men created these instruments of defense in the walls and the fortresses of Jerusalem. Now, the Romans made them famous, but they come back to King Uzziah. These, these engines that were set to shoot arrows and great stones. Uh, you know what? As a military genius... Uzziah, and all that he had, and all of his inventions, all of his wealth, all of his prosperity, all of his herds, his flocks, his vineyards, his armories, his soldiers, his towers, his fortresses, his fame spread abroad, far abroad. He became famous all over the world, it tells us, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. It was spread far, far abroad. Even, in fact, his fame spread to Egypt. Now look at those last three descriptions. For it says that in verse 15, and his name was spread far abroad. You're famous. 
4, he was marvelously helped. Azariah, till he was strong. Uzziah, he's great. He's famous. He's strong. Who would dare to question him? Well, why don't you go on out? Because we're going to look at another verse. You see there we were in Proverbs 18, verse 10, where it says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous fleeth thereunto and is helped. Well, if we go down just two verses, um, we find... This verse, before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Now tell me, Uzziah is great. He is powerful. He is mighty. He is prosperous. He has been, as it says there at the end of verse 15, marvelously helped till he was strong. He's been helped and he is strong. Will he be haughty? Or will he have humility? You know, it is very simple for the one who is great and strong to also be haughty. For it tells us here again that his name spread far abroad. Oh, he's famous. You know what? That could make him be haughty. So will Uzziah be humble or will he be haughty? Why? He's the king. He's the king over everything. Everybody respects him around the world. In fact, Remember, some of these foreign kingdoms are sending him tribute and paying him. For indeed, his fame was spread abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But, oh, sometimes I like that word, and sometimes I don't. But. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Look here, look here at this king. He's coming into the temple with a censer. A censer is to burn incense. He's coming into the temple with this censer to burn incense on the golden altar of incense. Well, there was a priest there, a priest named Azariah. And he was not alone, for with him were four score priests, 20, 40, 60, 80. 
80 other priests that were valiant men. That's like all of you. You see the king. Now, some of you might think, well, whatever. So, so he's bringing incense. So aren't we all supposed to offer incense? Yeah, but not like this. He is coming in to offer incense as if he were a priest. He is famous. He is great. He is strong. And instead of being humble, he is haughty. And now, though he king and has everything, he's going to rise and he's going to do the very thing, the one and only thing, perhaps, in all the kingdom he can't do. He's going to do it. Totally ignoring. You remember what this is, right? How many of you remember what this is? What is this? What was this? Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod that budded and even brought forth almonds. Do you remember why this had to happen? Because there were people in history like him who said, we want the priest office. We want to be priests. We want to be priests like Aaron. And the Levites. And so God had them all bring their staves, their staffs. And Levi brought his. Aaron, the representative, brought. And do you remember God chose and caused this staff? to bud and bring forth almonds as a sign that he had chosen their tribe. He's not even from the tribe of Levi, let alone a priest. Now, I don't know if Azariah went into that Ark of the Covenant because you know this has still been kept all these years. Whether or not it survived the Philistines stealing the Ark or not, I don't know. But um, it's implied that it has. And so here's this, this rod of Aaron's that's budded. And I actually suspect in reading the record and the hints of it, that it perpetually bloomed and perpetually brought forth almonds in that Ark of the Covenant. And here now, Uzziah, in blatant defiance of this, and also, have you not forgotten, Uzziah, what happened to actual priests, actual sons of Aaron, when they tried to offer incense that was strange fire? Do you all remember that? Nadab and Abihu? What happened to them? Fire broke forth from God and consumed them. How dare they offer strange fire before God? Don't you remember that? Don't you remember that when you walked into the temple and there was the great brazen altar? Do you guys know why it was brazen altar? You know, it was made out of bronze? Because they took all of the censers of people who were rebelling against the priesthood back in the days of Moses that had all been burned up and the censers were left there on the ground, all the brass censers. And they took all those brass censers and they beat them down to plates and they plated the brazen altar as a reminder, which was the first thing you came to in the tabernacle or the temple. As a reminder to everyone, don't you dare approach God in a way he hasn't said to. You've walked right past the brazen altar with all the bronze there that was made from the censers of those who were doing just like you're doing. But you see, he's lifted up haughty. He's proud. Just like that verse says, he doesn't see the destruction coming. And he comes right in there offering that incense. And Azariah, along with the 80 men, they, they withstood him. And they said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests of the sons of Aaron that are consecrated to burn incense. 
Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then was Uzziah wroth, and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. He was furious. How dare you withstand against me? I am the great and mighty king, and I will burn incense upon the golden altar. And while he was wroth with the priest, leprosy, a skin disease, even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they took and they thrust him, hence, yea, he hastened also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. The Lord smote him with leprosy. It's not recorded in the inspired record. But Josephus, who wrote in the first century A.D. of history of the Jews, recorded this day, and he recorded that when they cried out that he must go out to the temple and not transgress against God, he was wroth at them and threatened to kill them unless they would hold their peace. In the meantime, Josephus records, a great earthquake shook the ground and it rent through and fell upon the king's face, insomuch that the leprosy seized upon him immediately. And before the city, at a place that is called a groan, half the mountain broke off from the rest of the west and rolled itself four furlongs and stood still at the east mountain till the roads, as well as the king's gardens, were spoiled by the obstruction. You know what Amos spoke of? The two years before the earthquake? And you know what? Zechariah wrote later, speaking of the day of the Lord, and when he wrote, he says that though people will flee and, they shall f and, will f and ye shall be fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Remember, Zechariah lived at this time. Now, we don't know when this earthquake was, and Josephus is not an inspired record, but he records that at this very moment when Uzziah came in as a leper, or, or came in with the census and was judged that an earthquake shook the world. I shouldn't say the world, but shook the region. Archaeologists have gone back in the layers and have studied it, and it's estimated that this earthquake that shook this region about this time period was in magnitude of over eight points on the Richter scale. An enormous earthquake. The destruction was unbelievable. Josephus speaks of boulders falling down from the mountains and crushing the roads and the vineyards and the gardens. And Uzziah was struck with leprosy. He got himself out. Should we have him come back? No, I'll just tell you what happened. It says that Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death, and he dealt in a several house. That means not the palace, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord, and Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now, the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, write. 
So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belongeth to the kings. For they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his stead. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And before honor is humility. Uzziah was haughty. He lost. He had no humility as he blatantly disobeyed the law of God. Which causes me to remember his name. Uzziah. Jehovah is my help. Azariah. Jehovah has helped. You see, in that day, Uzziah was tempted and lifted up in pride and haughtiness. He should have remembered his name and humbled himself under the mighty hand of God, trusting him and believing him. How about us? Do we live Uzziah? My strength is Jehovah. Do we live that way? Do we live Azariah? Jehovah has helped. Do we live that way? Let us live that way. And let us take heed as we observe and learn from Uzziah. Great God, we give thanks to you for your word, the record that you have given to us. May we indeed every day humble ourselves under you, your mighty hand. You are the mighty one. You are the great one. You are the horn of our salvation. You are everything to us. And may we acknowledge you every day as our strength and our help, as we acknowledge our weakness and helplessness. But you are good, and so we trust you. Lord, humble us as people. We as Americans in general are prosperous, in general are strong. May it not lift us up in haughtiness, but may we walk in a humility with you as our God, serving you, trusting you, resting in you, that you might be glorified through our lives. In those times of doubt, those times of temptation, those times of attack from our adversary, our enemy, the devil, and even our own flesh, may we run to you as a strong tower and find help, find strength, find refuge. We praise you now in Christ's name. Amen.